0: Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shoni B, uh, the podcast. We're here in New York on a cold winter's afternoon. I'm in the apartment of a very good friend of mine called Elaine Purcell. She's Irish, and we've known each other for, would you believe, seven years? I think, give or you eight take years. Elaine has a number of good stories. Not only is she a great raconteur, but she's led a very full life, in my opinion. She's not afraid, and uh, she does. She really marches to her own drum. So, we're sitting down, and actually, it's it's January, and I'm not drinking. So, the pint would only be as close to a pint of tea,
1: milky tea,
0: milky tea. Two Irish people sitting down for a cup of milky tea. Our parents would be very happy with us. I wouldn't
1: have it any other way. <sighs>
0: That's a sound effect of me drinking my tea. <laughs> All right, Elaine. So you're um, from a. Uh, south of Ireland.
1: Yeah, little town in Waterford called Ballygunner. That's
0: right. What was it like growing up there as a
1: child? Um Ballygunner is about ten miles from Dunmore East, which is probably my favourite place in the whole world. It's a really sort of Dunmore East is a classically a working class fishing village as you would expect. Right. Absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah. Um quaint. Oh, so yeah. lovely I mean there's loads of little thatched cottages and there's little yeah. hills, so if you go up onto the hill you can see down into the you know, the harbour and the coves. Um, we spent all our summers out there. We'd rent a house. Um, my sister, who I'll talk more about, I'm sure. Orla, as a child, she got diabetes, and so we weren't allowed um, travel very far from the hospital. Right. Amazingly, yeah. But, like if you ca- she's she's probably thirty this year, and she was diagnosed at four. Oh my. God. And she was a really um, sort of challenging type one diabetic. And so we weren't allowed to get in a plane as a family.
0: So injecting yourself with the incident all the time. Four
1: times a day. And wow. she would have hypos and hypers and the whole oh time. Yeah. And so it was a, sort of a relatively new disease. Now it's sort of you take it in your stride. Yeah. But, and so because of that, we ended up sort of vacationing, as they would say here, um, locally. My dad would stay working all summer. But the whole house has sort of migrate out to Dunmore and right. rent a house or a cottage out, out by the sea.
0: And what was your what was your dad?
1: So my dad's um, self-employed. He's an auctioneer. Okay. Um, so you
0: probably got the house cheap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brown envelope, sort of. Yeah, and him and my brother now actually work together. Mm. My brother's gone into the business. With How him many siblings together. have you got? Oh, God, they're great. I have two sisters and an older brother. I I often say I have terrible middle child syndrome. Right. Um, Not
0: really. There's two
1: middle children. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the oldest girl. So I get a lot of that sort of first child overachieverness. Quarter.
0: Three quarters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of that middle child sort of neediness.
0: Right. Um, And what about your mum?
1: Yeah. Mum's great. Mum's Jackie. Um, She's a a weird duck. Like in that she was this incredibly innovative sort of driven woman. She travelled way before my dad ever did. She was heading off out to Spain and Palma and Mallorca and you know without a lick 60s. of oh yeah without right. a lick of Spanish was she hot? oh she's gorgeous right. yeah she's gorgeous she still and what is. was
0: she doing when she was going out to
1: um, Joe uh, Joe somebody travel yeah. travel interest so she, right. yeah. so she, so she was a rep Joe Walsh travel yes she was tours so she was a rep and so she'd work with him In a package tour So she'd be the woman When you'd get off the plane She'd yeah, take you From the airport breed. Yeah totally Yeah. Then she met my dad And then Did she
0: meet him When he was over on
1: holidays? No They met in a bar My mum and dad My grandparents were publicans Right And so she was working Where in was the pub? In Arundel Square In Waterford And, and, so, so, they, and so they're and
0: so they both From Waterford?
1: No he's from Offaly So oh, okay. he moved to Waterford To set up the business Okay. Um, but so she Then you know Set up her own business as well So she was very much An entrepreneur in her own right and then when, for the kids, when the four kids arrived, she really had to put the brakes on it to a certain extent. Right.
0: So yeah. does she still, now that you're all grown up, is she, is she getting her party boots back on?
1: Yeah, in a totally different way. She's actually like more, you know, she goes to the places that she used to always go to and she'd even ring up the hotel and say, I really like that room from last time, can I have the same room again? Like
0: from 1963, do you still have the corner room? Exactly, with yeah,
1: on, on the 11th floor. The Press? Yeah, but she's had this amazing renaissance in her life now you'd ring mum and she's like I can't talk to you I'll ring you Monday I'm like this would be Tuesday <laughs> and she'd have bridge on Tuesday night for Spanish she does Spanish she's done Spanish for 20 years now I'd say okay. nearly um, cooking classes art classes she's incredibly she's that classic boomer now who's had a second sort of renaissance on life
0: brilliant yeah, she's what did you, and did you go to college in Ireland?
1: Yeah, so I did my degree in the University of Limerick. Right. Um,
0: Limerick is uh, also known as Stab City. It's, uh, hopefully I probably won't get stabbed next time I go back to Ireland for saying that. But it's where Angela's Ashes and uh, Frank McCord and all that kind of stuff came from. And it's a pretty grubby and uh, uh, very tricky town to live in and no, noted for its uh, its violence. And I'm probably losing listeners from Limerick for saying that because they're very touchy about it, are not they?
1: I think it's come out of that dark period. I mean, it was definitely Stab City yeah. when I was there. Yeah. I think it's had a bit of no, a... No, notice,
0: though, stab city, not gun city. <laughs> no. You know, so, yeah. I, you know, when you talk about America's gun control problems, when you think about back home in the day, if there was two guys having a fight in the pub, one guy would go home and get a stick and try and beat the other guy That's it, yeah. body, you wouldn't kill him.
1: No. I think some or of that stabbing. comes from how our police aren't armed. Yeah. We yeah. don't have a gun culture yeah. in Ireland in the same way. Yeah. But so how is it,
0: Limerick speak- living there...
1: Limerick was great. I mean, I was there for four years, and we were out in Castlejoy, and it sort of contained as a little student environment. So you know, you might go in and out of the city maybe once or twice a week, but we right. were in a really sort of gated community. i sort of
0: what were you studying?
1: A degree in marketing and okay. French. Okay. Um, but there, I mean, I Did was speak French. Yeah, I didn't, even yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to go thing. to France every summer for three or four summers before my leaving search oh, for the whole summer. Okay. I was just we, we,
0: mad we, for road. And uh and so so you got your degree in that and then what did you do?
1: So as part of my as part of University of Limerick it's actually based on a US model. They have a a work experience program where I was sent off to Canada, which was brilliant to work for Tourism Ireland for uh, nearly a year over in Toronto. Okay. And then I met this really wonderful professor, his name is Morris Patterson, and he was teaching consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. I'd never really considered advertising as a path. And so as part of his course he introduced me to Kevin Roberts okay. and who was CEO of in fact so the CEO of Sachi and Sachi well, so hired me back in the that's days. right yeah so as much as actually we only know each other for six or seven years yeah. our paths crossed way before there's an unfortunate
0: then. link with Kevin Roberts
1: yeah so I met him and um, I decided literally then and there I wanted to work for him this would have been 2003 and I applied to Saatchi London, and they didn't want to back So how did
0: you? So when you met Kevin, where was that? Like at some conference he was speaking at.
1: He came to Limerick oh, to he? give a talk. Yeah, would you believe? Yeah, he came to the UL.
0: Oh, okay. So you. So you, like, it was one of those things where he came to Limerick, and then there was like you just went up to him and said, "What's the crack?" And you, yeah. were, you were very impressed. by I him, was yeah.
1: just totally enamoured by the sort of the emotion that he he brought to all his storytelling and how he just managed to make advertising feel like this thing that. You were controlling or influencing con- yeah. culture Not controlling culture But having an influence on it In a way that I had never really grasped I wasn't selling something yeah. I was influencing culture And that just was like poof, My mind was blown yeah. And I thought oh, I want to work for him
0: So so you got a job in America was it?
1: No, no. So I moved to Sydney there was a program that they were doing, um, like an internship. I applied to that. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then I decided that the stuff that Myers Patterson had been teaching me was so interesting, I wanted to go and learn more about it. Right. And so I essentially did a master's in consumer behavior. Ah, okay. And that was wow, in, that, would have been, that was amazing. It you was would have been really good. You
0: were the first wave on that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then that's where I joined. So how did
0: that take you to Sydney? So you
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Not obviously, I no. Yeah. <laughs> I just... You know when you have... I had always been somebody who wanted to get the the F out of Ireland as quickly as possible. So tell me why that was. I wanted to get the F out of Waterford, and then I wanted to get the fuck out of... Okay,
0: let's start with Waterford. Why Waterford? Too small?
1: Uh, I just felt like there was more. There was always more. It just wasn't enough. Like, it didn't feel diverse enough. It didn't feel curious enough. And I still, to this day, sort of struggle with the... Sometimes the small-mindedness of things that are really actually not a big deal at all.
0: I agree. Um. There's twitching curtains and there's also this thing of people with ambition get cut down. I mean, the, the Aussies have it. They call it tall poppy. But you, I, I mean, I had the same reason. I mean, I I, mean, I lived in Dublin, the big smoke. You know, that was, that was where all the cool people hung. But it was still just this feeling that anybody who wanted to not go into work in a bank or go into law or go into work in the government or whatever, you were weird. And it was like, uh, what are you? what are you doing that for? You'll never make a movie or you'll never... Anything you know? Just stay, stay. Yeah, in and
1: there's nothing wrong with going into law. It no, just I, know, I know, I know. But like, to it was do. Th-
0: this is just traditional thing of be a builder. Be a, I'm not speaking yeah, of law. I'm just saying, like do something that your father's father did and your father's, you know, do something that's normal. Yeah. Don't don't try. And I mean, you hear a lot of that from people who in Ireland mm-hmm. around our time. Yeah. Even probably now, although I don't feel it's the same now because I feel the generation now, are, 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 they have so much technology at their hands, and they have so much access to the world that they can go, uh, I can do that, or mm. I give it a go. Mm-hmm. And there's no, f- there's not the same fear still of if you fail, I don't think. We can come back to that later. Yeah. So so anyway, you want to get the F out of, out of Ireland, yeah. and then you want to get the F out of where? Europe or Dublin
1: or uh, well, it just you know when you look at your options and you think, right, if I go and do a master's degree, what can I do? Yeah. And so you start to say, London's too close, or it mm. was mentally at the time. Um, America's too expensive I'd already lived in Canada yeah. and so then you start to look at the other like maybe I could have gone to France because I had done my degree in French mm. but I ended up looking around at New Zealand and the University of Otago Otago down in yeah. the South Island or at the University of New South Wales they both offered a programme that I thought was really interesting Okay. and as trite as it sounds I just really wanted to live by the sea <laughs> and I yeah, that. and I loved the sea and then, then I ended up in Coogee which is by the sea and I lived there for four years
0: you loved it when you got there I loved it and so you were Well actually
1: do you know what no maybe I shouldn't say that I loved it but there was definitely moments where I was really lonely really lonely and homesick and everybody thought you were living the most phenomenal dream and like you miss your friends and you miss your family and you miss the fella who you were totally in love with before you left Mm. and that's really shit but I think that art. makes
0: you I mean I think that the, the, the idea of going so far away to your point about London if you you know if you got homesick in London you're on a Ryanair flight for 60 bucks in your home with Manny yeah. it. you know the fact that you're so far away means you have to get on with it um, and you know you, you learn a lot more about who you are and about mm. your life out there were you, so were you in college
1: out there? yeah
0: for two for for, 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 for one year one year okay.
1: one year masters and, and then, so I will never forget the day On my birthday On June 10th I got I had applied to Sachi's As soon as I got there Right And uh, I was just committed Like I was absolutely determined And so I applied to Sachi's And on June 10th They phoned me up and said Yeah We'll hire you We have a project Essentially okay. As an intern I'd never worked in that agency In my yeah, life yeah.
0: So what was So that was your first job
1: Absolutely I'll never you were it. earning
0: buttons Were you
1: Loads more Oh no I was earning absolutely pennies Because yeah. I was on a student visa And you're only allowed to work 20 hours a week Ah uh, okay but that's horseshit, as you yeah, know yeah. they could only pay for 20 hours a week yeah. but you could work 50, 60 hours if you wanted
0: and do they look after you?
1: Uh, certain like? people did yeah. yeah very much so I mean the woman who ultimately has I think helped to course correct my career steer my career was Mary Mills she moved well. yeah Love yeah. It. I had dinner with her on Tuesday oh, okay. yeah so I thought hi Mary uh, so she ultimately she took me under her wing yeah. and she taught me and she trained me so
0: then at some point you had to get like they Said to you, You're good, we're keeping you. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's sort of a windy road because you know what it's like with visas and yeah. like, Oh, we'll keep you, no, we won't. And so then I took off, left Satches and took off up the, uh, up the east coast, across Darwin, got to Broome, and then went down the west coast. Brilliant, amazing. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. How are you traveling? Oh, sure, on a shoestring by bus. He'd pick up a car Somebody had a friend He'd fly maybe a little bit But
0: It's mad out there isn't oh,
1: it? It's unbelievable It's so brilliant
0: So tell me why It was so brilliant
1: I'll never forget We were in Exmouth Which is over On the west coast yeah. We just pulled into Exmouth And I had done The east coast And done the Great Barrier Reef For example And we got there And it was like The undiscovered Great Barrier Reef And we took off Out in a boat Well as soon afternoon. as you Turn
0: left from Port Douglas And keep going You're in absolute Bandit
1: Bandit Parked country aisle.
0: Bandit Crocodile, mosquito country, and Darwin is still like something out of Deadwood, right?
1: Oh, you could—I mean, kind of—it's unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. And right, so, what was the story about Exmouth? Just that there's whale sharks and manta rays that right. you can see from a plane, and so you get in the boat, and Jimmy goes up in the plane or the helicopter above you, and, and he's radioing down, spots them, right. and then your man driving the boat drops you in fr- above the whale sharks or right. the manta rays, right. and you just float down or you dive and how down. How do they
0: know it's a whale shark and not a scary one?
1: Because a whale shark's the size of the Empire State Building, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. You can literally see it from above. But
0: well, can you see other sharks, pilot sharks? No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pilot great white sharks that are the size of a pub in New York. They
1: yeah. just know that that's what's out there. Right. They know their sort of patch, yeah, and they wouldn't let you in harm's way. And there's somebody with you, and like you know, the boat's never far.
0: Yeah. So you went all the way down to
1: all the way down to Perth. We got to Perth, and I got a job in Perth. Mental.
0: That's oh. I, don't know, I shudder to think how many miles that is this is showing your first signs of behaving like me which is just going fuck it and just heading off somewhere for yeah. whatever just to make yourself feel better or whatever yeah and, and
1: but then I get to Perth and I get a call because my visa had run out and we couldn't sponsor you and then I get a call actually we can sponsor you will you come back I'll never forget I, f- I remember phoning my godfather Frank Murphy who's my dad's best friend and no blood relation and an incredible influence on my life I phoned Frank and I said Sachi want me to come back and dad, I talked to my dad and my dad said, fuck them." They said no once, don't go back to them. And then Frank said, they're your passports around the world. Go back to them. I think the alternative was coming back to Dublin.
0: Well, indeed, indeed. But you know, I mean, uh, for someone at like your age, it was, clearly level- a, it, it, it was clearly a sign that they had plans for you. And that's also good,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah but it, I think there was sort of a, a tipping point moment Whereas, I'd only done, say, 18 months in an agency. You come back to Ireland, that's all you've had. You could have gone into the bank. There was definitely a moment where it said, right, come back and get another few years in the same place, yeah. and then you're a planner. At 18 yeah. months of experience, you're not really a planner.
0: So how long did you go back for?
1: I was four years all in. Okay. So there so was a year, and been. then the was the yeah. the trip, and then... Back another year and a half or so, yeah.
0: And um, again, then what, what 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 happened in Sydney that you decide you wanted to shake it off or shake it out?
1: Yeah, so then I got fired.
0: <laughs> Why'd you get fired? <laughs> so you're looking for the king of being fired here.
1: yeah. That was an amazing experience, and I don't think very many people know that because I sort of pretend that I seamlessly transition from Saatchi Sydney to Saatchi New York. Well, I mean, I totally that, there's, a, there's a thing with
0: people which is like, um, oh, you know, you you you, you don't it's as if there's something. It's a character flaw if you're being fired. Absolutely. And I'm like, fuck that. It's like, uh, you know, I, I I've been fired from seven fucking jobs, and I'm proud of it because. You know, I, I, it's a question of how and why you're fired. If you're walking out of a place with your head held high and your conscience intact and your integrity
1: intact, well, fuck them for firing you, you know? Oh, was the best thing that ever happened to me. There was a, just a boss that, there was really, because it was such, I was in a sort of a a sub-planning department right. looking after some healthcare brands. There was a boss, Renee, and she and I, it seems, just didn't get along. Yeah. And I think, in a way, I was too big for my boots, and I was sort of pushing things further than they probably could have gone, and I was kicking up a stink about things that I just didn't agree with. And I think in such a small dynamic, yeah. they wanted peace in the land.
0: Well, I, I think, to be fair to the fireers, people who fired me or you... They have a, another side of the story. Sean's difficult to work with. Sean doesn't, you know, play the game. Sean doesn't, you know, whatever. And I, you know, there are very justifiable reasons for it, in my view as well. But um, I think I it's thought... about I think it's about yourself. Yeah. I think when you get fired, it's about you. When you when you walk out that door and how you feel about yourself, have you have you shafted people? Have you let people down? Have you been somebody who's who's betrayed what you stand for you know and a lot of the time it is chemistry a lot of the time someone just doesn't like the look, look at your face or sound of your voice you? Mm. but you know you've still got a few more fires left I you? think so yeah. so, what, so <laughs> the first fire is the hardest
1: it was mortifying yeah. I thought my family were going to absolutely kill me <laughs> I remember thinking oh they're just going to think I must be the worst at my job and mm. I was fired because I was incompetent Yeah, and like you'd shaft somebody or you just was unreliable and not good at what you were getting paid for Yeah, and yeah. it's hard to explain that that's not always the case I
0: think it's great to happen early in your career because actually it's one of those things like I don't know you, know you know something going to the dentist it's like something that happens to you and you think it's going to be really terrible and then you know six months later it's big so what
1: you yeah on, you know? well thankfully I mean I carried it around even in the US for a few years as a secret yeah. because when I came over to Satie New York with Mary Mills everybody was like oh you were in the Saatchi office and I said yeah I just transferred
0: (laughs) no but people are afraid to say they were fired everyone should everyone listening to this if you've been fired say you've been fired and like you know most of the time if you've been fired for because you've been working with tossers then fine say that because most people find out about the fact that people were tossers who you're working with yeah
1: how
0: long did you spend in Saatchi New York three years And then why did you
1: leave that? It was going through an absolutely horrific time. I mean, so were all agencies, and I'm sure nearly all companies in New York, but like, people, you'd come back from lunch, and the person who you were sitting beside was no longer employed, and nobody mentioned it. There was this toxic air. Um, There was just, like, all of my favorite people had left, and everybody was in it for themselves. And I mean, at that point, if you lost your job, you probably couldn't get another job so in a way you're like yeah no wonder you're in it for yourself you've got a mortgage and two kids you're you're probably going to throw anyone under the bus but
0: I I felt it was I felt it was encouraged a little bit by management in a lot of the big agencies I'm going to blame Martin Sorrell even though it probably wasn't his fault but that sort of WPP culture of um, the guy or girl in your position on another account you're in competition with you're not you're not colleagues, colleagues. And, and that creates a, a you know as you said a toxic polit- politic going on at really low levels mm-hmm. which just causes a really unpleasant atmosphere so much anxiety Tension and, clenchness and,
1: and a lack of self-belief like you were afraid to fight for something you believed in yeah yeah, yeah. no like shut up and stay quiet yeah
0: so you left or you what happened
1: yeah, it was around the time my my sister um, and her boyfriend at the time were living in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I handed in my notice, went to New Zealand for a few weeks, three or four weeks, and then came and joined... So did
0: you leave because you just had enough?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I so. totally had enough. I remember feeling like nobody had my back. And I was still like, a relatively young planner, and I didn't feel like anybody was trying to teach me. Yeah. And if you're only learning... By osmosis oh. no, and nobody's looking out for you. You just yeah. maybe you're picking up bad habits. And then went so to New Zealand.
0: I'm going to New Zealand for a few weeks, okay. And yeah. your sister was out there with
1: Her fiance or her boyfriend Richie Crossland at the time. Right. And she met Richie in Scotland and they were in love for many, many years and they went travelling around the world together, as I said. Yeah. So anyway, he was down in he was in China. He had a pain in his back and you know, he was sort of putting Epsom salts on it and you know, massages and all the rest wasn't getting any better and that's kind of when it started anyway they ended up in New Zealand and long story short that pain in his back was a metastasized tumour mm. from his lung cancer oh boy yeah that
0: he didn't
1: know he had no. no with no symptoms he wasn't a smoker sure he wasn't sure he was 30 maybe maximum 29 and um, so he got
0: diagnosed in New Zealand
1: yeah he had so is that hair. why you went out just yeah, yeah. You get diagnosed with stage four, there's not a stage five, yeah. you know, and so it's sort of you, you begin to grasp at straws and try to find hope. I yeah. think, yeah. Um, so they moved back to Scotland, and um, he was getting treatment in Glasgow until he passed away in July.
0: So, July of what year that was
1: eight,
0: nine, ten, eleven, 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 11. and okay, okay. that had a pretty well not? You you were very close with your sister. a bad. I remember it had a bad effect. Because I remember you kind of were updating me a lot about yeah. what was going on. You were going over and back. Yeah. So tell me what happened with you and and your sis after that happened. Cause he, so he was about thirty when he died. Wasn't yeah. You? And they were engaged. And yeah.
1: Right? They were engaged. Yeah.
0: So and you were still here. Do you, do you? You then kind of went a little bit. Kind of right. That's it again. Did you?
1: That took probably another two years for that to happen. But right. there's no doubt that something like that plants a seed in your mind yeah. and says what the fuck once. like yeah how did this happen what did what did they do to deserve this pain and sadness yeah. and, and I'm not there and you question all your decisions of like I'm back you know back working late at grey on a presentation about potato chips yeah, yeah. why is this more Where's important the than being with Orla like yeah but at the same time you know that Orla's just like I need to sort of deal with this in my own way yeah um, and so it was so it was just so sad and like You've never had, if you've never had tragedy hit your family, it affects the family unit. Yes. And, you know, you, start a, you you get cross with people, even though it's not their fault. You know, you're like, why aren't you being more supportive? Why are you being overbearing? And it's like, because ah, I don't know how to deal with this. How, what am I supposed to do? Do I call her all the time? Do I not call her? Do I wait for her to call? Like, or even, you know, you know, how much do we talk about Richie now that he's gone? Like yeah. Things that you just landmines. Yeah. Um, so Um How is home, she now? Oh, oh, she's amazing. Right. Yeah, she's so amazing. She's in love again. Right. She met a new man. Right. A couple of years later. That's
0: what he would have wanted.
1: I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they talked about it, and yeah. I'm sure it's what they want. Yeah, that he wanted. Yeah. Um, another Scottish man. Yeah. So
0: she obviously has a thing for Scots.
1: She does.
0: How did you? Was what happened there when, inside your head though? Because you were very. You, I think you felt very. You know, you were questioning, as you said earlier, you're, were you being supportive enough? And I you know, I guess as well, that thing about the the, the, the um import the importance or lack thereof of what we are spending hours of our day uh bullshitting on about and, and you know, talk talking about whether that word or that word should appear on the jam ad. Eventually people who are smart think about that. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So what where did you What happened then after that with you here?
1: Yeah, it was... um, I think that was a massive seed that was planted. Like, does any of this matter? What's important? What are your priorities? Um, And a couple of things sort of just fell to shit. And you started getting very, like, burned out. And you put all this effort in and you just sort of think, what's it for? And then you get a bit like the person you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. Because I was... Which is what? Like, cynical.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm so anti being a cynic I think it's toxic like you can question things and ask Mm. you know why is this the case but if you're the person who's just jaded and not fun to be around not fun to be around but not a joy to be around you're in the wrong job I was asked to work on the Duracell pitch and I remember thinking no fucking way (laughs) I mean this is a massive global piece of business that any other planner with their salt would have been happy to jump in and really figure out I sat down Howard and I said Howard I can't I need to take some time off and he was like like two do you think weeks? any of this
0: was? To, how, how much of this might be either accentuated or because of the whole New York toxicity do you think if you were in uh, San Francisco looking at the bay or Sydney do you think that same thing might have happened or do you think it's it's compounded by this kind of rat racy feel that you have here
1: yeah I, th- I mean it's funny you say New York toxicity I think I would call it New York intensity
0: right okay that, that's just my jaded cynicism <laughs> <probably through there. laughs>
1: I think it's just it's like a dog year yeah and you know after five years I was just wrecked yeah like the kind of wrecked they drive where, you hard yeah, yeah. Like eighty-hour weeks all the time, yeah. and like you're cancelling on your friends, yeah. and you're skipping dates. Yeah. And but you're it's possible.
0: I, I, I had this theory as well that it was really hard to get dating with people because mm. you'd, you'd have a good date and then you mightn't be able to see the person again for two weeks. Two weeks. And I was convinced the people who were having relationships were people who came into New York in a relationship, yeah, and had to get an apartment together and then would work out what their you know situation was and and have to continue their relationship what did you do then when you when you suddenly got this kind of not quite past but you said i'm out of here yeah what was going on through your head right then because you had this place right you still i
1: still had my little house that we're in now um and part of it was sort of logistics of like how can i hold on to this and keep as many possible avenues forward everybody was saying to me oh you're done with new york And I'm like, I don't know if I am. I mean, there was a question of, am I done with advertising? Am I done with New York? Am I done with America full stop? And so I wanted to sort of keep all of those avenues open and at the same time just sort of like go and figure it out. Vamoosh, yeah.
0: Now, what was the trip?
1: So, started in Colombia. Four of my friends came with me for the New York girls and it was over the 4th of July weekend. We went down to Cartagena and then I did a five-day hike. Up I did that mountains. on my own up the mountains did unbelievable. you go
0: walk up a hill and come down a mountain
1: <laughs> <laughs> I met a woman on the hike and she said this is harder than Kilimanjaro there and I go. thought it was like a walk
0: Kilimanjaro is a piece of piss sorry
1: so that was amazing that was probably the highlight of the whole trip that hike
0: did, was it a highlight for psychological as yeah, well as, yeah so yeah. You're really like sorry.
1: you're, your five days you carry the smallest backpack you've ever met, met in your life and you sleep along the way there's a little bench yeah, that someone's the, left on It's like the, the one court. in
0: Spain, right, that you walk for housing thousand kilometers. The Camino. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it's a bit like more like Peru and Machu Picchu. Uh, and what,
0: what was going through your head on the hike that was poignant?
1: Um, I met this beautiful Australian woman, and she was gay. She is gay. And we had this amazing chat about sexuality and mm. identity and how you sort of just be who you are. and it doesn't matter what everyone thinks. Mm. And she just had this very clear sense of self. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not as clear about my sense of self. It wasn't to do with sexuality. Just more of, you met her and you I, it felt like she just knew who she was and was unapologetic about it. Yeah. And I was sort of jealous of that. Yeah. I, I think that's um, probably
0: what we're all those who think well, more than others should be about it. we're not always all about it but I think trying to work out what you're about is a good as good a reason it's, it's certainly better than working out what you know the next chip out is going to be like so when you came down that mountain trail were you changed then a little bit
1: no I don't know if it was as profound as that I mean it was definitely the highlight I mean, I kept a diary every day Brilliant. Which is where, and I came to diary, and I wrote a book after the trip. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that I haven't—I've published, but only for myself. Right. Because um, it was really a diary. Yeah. It was very much like, I. This is what I'm doing, but also what I'm thinking. And I could craft it into an interesting narrative and, and maybe publish it, but at the moment it feels sort of pure and honest and raw. Right. And I'm nervous that as soon as I share it with the world, I'll strip out things that I'm but not ready yet to it's share
0: with the world. And don't strip. It.
1: I yeah, maybe I'll get there.
0: Take off the layers. And once you've got nothing on, no one gives a shit. They only care when you're hiding shit. And uh, you went from Colombia, so you went all, the, all around South America? No, no, no. just
1: Colombia. Okay. And then I don't speak a lick of Spanish, and I thought, I don't know if I want to do Colombia or South America without Spanish. Yeah. I've never been to Asia. Right. Crazy. But I headed off to Southeast Asia, and I did Vietnam, Hong Kong, um, Cambodia, Burma, and Thailand it's kind of come full circle and all the influences that I had even through Ballygunner and, and beyond and I was with my, one of my secondary school friends Laura Butler from Waterford came with me yeah. and we did Burma together and that was unbelievable and it was so out of the way and it felt like it was hard and you had to spend three days in Thailand in Bangkok getting your visa and it was sort of the price of this incredible trip that I can't recommend enough
0: yeah. you got your head straight would that be fair from the trip and said you were going to go back into the game
1: Yeah, ish Right I was still in love with New York And in love with the idea of being a planner But I think I had learned along the way An absolute ton of things that I was resolute about holding on to And I came back And then I met Droga I went and met Johnny Bauer And then I started work two weeks later
0: so uh, Elaine now works for Drug of Five Ted Royer has been a guest on A Pint with Shawnee B so you're the second Drug of Five person yeah. from it. and so have
1: you found that um, Ted says you're good oh does he <laughs> <laughs> he's great yeah. Um, yeah it's been great it's a very different type of agency it's like independent so you don't have yeah. a lot of that Martin Sorrell yeah. nonsense yeah. and the hierarchy of WPP it'd be to see how, how if, it,
0: if it follows the, how, ba- how big do we have to get before we get bad about uh, ad agencies um, Elaine what would you say to your Ballygunner self of 20 years ago, 15 years ago if you were looking back on your career what would you What would you say to, the, to that girl?
1: To the 20 year old self I think so much of it is like not to be afraid to fail I think I had an awful lot of sort of overachiever in me and I had very rarely fucked up You know, throughout secondary school. And I was sort of on this classic path to university and all that sort of classic expectations. It it was never not an option to do that. It was a foregone conclusion. And so in a way, you're sort of like a a cow on the back of a a truck going to the slaughter. Like, it's just mapped out for you. And so as soon as you start to question, is this right for me? I think the better. As soon
0: as you become a Gary Larson cow. (laughs)
1: start driving the truck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a what awesome question. I think another thing maybe connected to that is like don't just swallow whole what you've always been told yeah that's good. Um, like, you know I was talking to somebody the other day about like beliefs and how much you actually question whether you believe this or were you told that mm-hmm. this is what you believe yeah. When someone was asking me, so about, much
0: of life's about that, yeah, all the way back to our Catholic upbringing,
1: totally. Mm-hmm. And like, why is self? Because I was talking about how it's really hard. It's really important to work hard, like, that's something I really believe. But the person was like, like you clearly got that from your dad. Did you ever stop to question whether or not that's true? Yeah. And so, so, I would also just say, like, question and don't swallow whole what you've well, f- told. Well, I mean,
0: the fundamental bit of our lives is that we have to have a job says who yeah. why of course we're told to have a job so we have money and of course we know we need money to buy food and shelter and have fun but yeah there's a lot of things I think that's very wise there's a lot of things in our lives that we take for we just told them we just accept blindly mm. that are always open to question. are you, are you uh, positive about the future of like the planet and your own place in it
1: yeah, so it's interesting you're thinking that I have, I'm going down to South by Southwest and I'm going to give, yeah. do a talk down there. Oh, the title of the talk is Inspiring Change Through a Connected World right. and how essentially social media can help advance causes. Yeah. And so I've been thinking a lot about how we can harness technology and the power of a community and um, to actually sort of create change, meaningful change. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it, you know social media has allowed us to abdicate all responsibility. Because all you have to do now is like something and share it. You don't have to get up and march. It's the old
0: turn your picture into the French flag on Facebook and you've kind of done your bit. The Onion had a great headline, which was on the day of the Twin Towers, uh, the week of the Twin Towers, because it was like everyone's going, what the hell are the Onion going to write about that? And it was like, woman not knowing what else to do, bakes cake with American flag on it. (laughs) it. (laughs) Do you feel you have a wider life purpose? than what you're doing now or what you have been doing for the last while you've been advertising? Do you feel advertising is priming you for something else in your life later?
1: Yeah, but I, I don't think my job is connected to my purpose. Right, okay. So I think they're disconnected. I think it's, it's probably a mistake to conflate the two. Okay.
0: So have you worked out what that purpose is or are you going to ask me to come back in a few years? <laughs> then tell me.
1: No, I think, I mean, I really do think that it's your own purpose. Your, your purpose in life is to figure out, you know, what makes you happy based on who you are. And that literally takes your whole life. Right. And that changes as you grow up. And the more you can sort of be self-aware and in tune with that, the better. And once you figure out that, then you've just got this sort of freedom to be who you are unapologetically. And I think that's actually really liberating for those around you.
0: Wise words to finish on, I think. Thank you so much for having me around in your apartment. Uh, it was, I knew you'd have a great chat because we're all yappers. My pleasure. And uh, best of luck in the future. Thanks, Johnny.